Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. This is Robert Rogers. I have an exciting announcement that I'm making. This is the first time that I've put this out publicly. There will be, in 2010, a Parkinson's Recovery Alaskan Cruise. Parkinson's Recovery and Twin Harbors Travel are pleased to advise you of the Parkinson's Recovery Cruise of 2010. This is a seven-night cruise leaving from Seattle on board the Holland America Amsterdam, which is a snazzy ship, I want to say. They've got, they just remodeled this ship, and it has got all sorts of incredible amenities. They have a spa that you can basically sit in, and it has windows all the way around so you can see the sights as your ship is going through the Glacier Bay National Park. The ship is going to cruise uh, to Juneau, Sitka, Ketchikan, Victoria, uh, British Columbia, and, of course, uh, my favorite, the Glacier Bay National Park. The crew, uh, cruise leaves on May the 3rd. It's a seven-day cruise. And here's the best part. Of course, it includes uh, where you're going to stay and your meals and the entertainment and, you know, as all cruises, lots of exciting and fun kinds of things. Uh, we'll be doing some presentations, some workshops, uh, introducing people to some of the kind of work that uh, we've been doing at Parkinson's Recovery. Uh, and so that's all included for the price of $699 a person, which is uh, about as inexpensive as you can get to go anywhere and do anything uh, in this universe of uh, ours. I don't know of anywhere where you can go on a vacation for $100 a day and get your room and three meals and entertainment and everything else uh, covered. And, of course, again, uh, uh, you'll also be able to uh, be exposed to the kind of things that uh, we're doing at Parkinson's Recovery. So uh, if you're interested in being able to have an exciting time on May the 3rd and to be able to see the wonders of nature, on a cruise and with other individuals who are on the road to recovery from the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. This is uh, the activity that will fill all of your needs. For further information and to actually register, you'll want to call Twin Harbors Travel, and that phone number is 360-987-2333. And the email is Kurt, K-U-R-T, at TwinHarborsTravel.com. Those are the three words all put together, Twin, T-W-I-N, Harbors, H-A-R-B-O-R-S, Travel, T-R-A-V-E-L.com. And now we move to a previously recorded most amazing interview that I have done with Daniel Looney. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. My guest today is Daniel Loney. He has had Parkinson's for 10 years, and most people still have a difficult time even knowing that he has Parkinson's. He is a volunteer for the Israel Parkinson's Association, and he offers free Tai Chi lessons to individuals with Parkinson's. He currently has four such groups. Daniel is originally from Corvallis, Oregon, and moved to Israel 25 years ago. Thanks for being with us today, Daniel. 
welcome. It's good to be here with you, Robert. Now, you've got uh, uh, quite an interesting story about how this whole interview came about. Can you tell folks about what really happened? Yes, I think by way of introduction, I'd like to tell you a little bit about what did happen. Um, about uh, several months ago, I, I believe it was in July, you interviewed Ari Breslow in regards to his work with Parkinson's people uh, that, uh, and Tai Chi. Now, RIA has a lot of experience working with people who have uh, movement disorders, and, of course, several of his people are people with Parkinson's. During that interview, he mentioned a person by the name of Danny who had been doing Tai Chi before he actually had Parkinson's or before the symptoms of Parkinson's had showed up. And he had said that this particular person had been successful in slowing down progression of Parkinson's and almost uh, doing away with most of his symptoms altogether. That person happened to be me. Ah, that's great. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> so anyway, as a continuation to that, I thought it would be good that uh, perhaps your listeners might be interested in my story. And so I uh, wrote you an email and presented myself to you and uh, volunteered. And you, of course, responded with the uh, affirmative. And uh, here I am. Yeah, it's an amazing outline, too. So what we thought uh, uh, that Daniel could do is just start uh, down his outline, which is basically telling his story about how all this uh, evolved. Okay, there's basically three areas that I want to cover. My first is that I want to give my own personal story about how I cope with Parkinson's or cope with Parkinson's and uh, how I use Tai Chi to do that. Then I want to talk a few words about stress because that's one of the important points that you... Uh, talk about on your on your site and then I want to talk a little bit about what I do now about my Tai Chi classes that I teach with people with Parkinson's for people with Parkinson's awesome okay as you had mentioned I was born and raised in Oregon and at the age of 25 I moved to uh, Israel I immigrated to Israel with my family and three small kids and uh, subsequently I had one more kid born here so I've been here about 25 years now uh, my first symptoms of Parkinson's showed up about the age of 49 okay um I'll go into that in more detail a little bit later. But uh, I've worked in the computer industry for about 35 years, and uh, I have about 18 years of experience with Tai Chi. I actually started Tai Chi uh, 18 years ago, and um, I developed Parkinson's symptoms about eight years after I'd started Tai Chi. Parkinson's isn't, isn't the first neurological disease that I've had. When I was at the age of 33, before I had immigrated to Israel, I had a, a disease or a symptom called Guillain-Barre, or Guillain-Barre, as many people call it in English. This is a uh, situation or a disease where your body uh, contracts, a, contacts a virus, and you build up antibodies in order to fight that virus. And once the virus is gone, the antibodies attack your nervous system, so it's an autoimmune disease and it slowly destroys, or actually quite quickly destroys, your peripheral nervous system. Within a period of just a couple of days, or a week at maximum, you usually lose the ability to walk and have to be admitted to a hospital right away. Uh, it's not uncommon for the, uh, for the disease to progress, or the uh, symptoms to progress, and eventually you have difficulty swallowing, swallowing and sometimes they even have to put you on a, um, um, a, a respiratory machine. Now, uh, I didn't get that bad. I did start having um, problems when I was swallowing, where I was swallowing. And so what they decided to do is they, they would try an experimental treatment on me. It was experimental at that time. It might be standard by now, though. I'm not sure. But what they do is they put you on a bed, and they basically
basically hang you upside down, and they tip the head of the bed way down to the floor so that your head is, uh, so you're basically upside down. And then they stick two tubes, one in your right arm and one in your left arm, and they basically do an oil change. <laughs> really? <laughs> they, they take the blood out of one arm, and they put it through a machine where it replaces the plasma, and then they pump it back in into the other arm. Oh, how that interesting. Takes about, and it takes about five hours for the whole process. And your body, is, your head is actually pretty low then to the ground relative yeah, to your feet. Yeah, it's like you're hanging upside down. You're, you're, basically, you're basically hanging at an angle, you know, with the, head, with the head of the bed down towards the floor. Wow. And you just lay there for five hours, and uh, they change your, change your blood. After about uh, the third treatment, I was starting to respond, and I started getting better. However, much of my, uh, a large part of my peripheral nervous system was destroyed, and basically I was unable to walk when I was, when I was released from the hospital. And as my uh, nerves started growing back slowly, I had to teach myself to walk basically all over again. Oh, my God. I used a walker, and I used to be able to... Uh, I started just by uh, being able to walk from one side of the room to the other. Then eventually I could walk down the block and back, and uh, I kept working at it. And over the period of about a year and a half, I uh, basically recovered, with the exception of a few small uh, symptoms that still are with me to this day. Uh, a couple of those symptoms are that uh, first, when I get tired, I tend to have a little bit of numbness in my fingers and my toes, and also I tend to have a little bit of a balance problem that is still due to the uh, Guillain-Barre. So uh, I usually tell people I'm a neurological neurolog- neurological wreck, as I had said before, because yeah. that's what happened to my uh, ex- uh, my peripheral nervous system, and now Parkinson's uh, seems to be doing a job in my central nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> really. So, and this particular condition is spelled G-U-I-L-L-I-A-N, and in the second word, uh, bear is B-A-R-R-E. Yes, so it's a, it's, yes, it's a relatively rare condition then, I assume. It uh, happens to about one in every 100,000 people. My goodness. And this happened before or after your diagnosis of Parkinson's? This happened at the age of 33, uh, long before my diagnosis of Parkinson's. That's incredible. How many of those treatments did you actually get? I had, I think, three or four treatments at the time. Sounds like they worked miracles for you. Yeah, they, they definitely did help. Some people don't recover and die. Most people do recover eventually, but uh, usually there's some sort of permanent damage along the way. So. Wow. Anyway, that occurred about a year before I immigrated to Israel, and then... Uh, after I got here, of course, I went to work and uh, pretty much led a normal normal life. And then um, I started taking Tai Chi af- uh, several years after I immigrated to Israel, and I started studying with Arya. And uh, Arya has been my first and my only teacher, so we've been together for 18 years now. And uh, as you had said in your interview with him, he is uh, probably one of the uh, best-known teachers in the world regarding uh, working with people with uh, various limitations and uh, I owe him a lot in terms of uh, what I have learned and my knowledge of Tai Chi and implementing Tai Chi into my life. So uh, I'll always be indebted to him for what he's showed me and he's basically not showed me just Tai Chi but he's showed me how to live and how to balance my life. It is an amazing interview and for those of you who are listening and have not heard it, you can always go on to the radio program page and listen to that interview with him. It's really quite amazing. I've not found or heard about anybody that has his degree of experience in working with individuals who have challenges like individuals with Parkinson's have. 
because I had uh, had some uh, balance problems as a result of the Guillain-Barre, that is one of the reasons that I started uh, doing Tai Chi, because Tai Chi really addresses uh, the area of stability and balance and uh, coordination. And that's one of the things I really wanted to emphasize in my workouts. So that's one of the major reasons I started uh, down the route of Tai Chi in the first place. Interesting. So anyway, let's go on to the Parkinson's because that's basically what people are probably interested in the most. Um, I developed Parkinson's about 10 years ago, as you had said in your introduction. My first symptoms showed up 10 years ago. I went for about two years without uh, being diagnosed as Parkinson's. Uh, what happened was that uh, I was doing Tai Chi, and Ari's wife, Anne, noticed that uh, while we were doing uh, the form and working with the sword, that my left arm wasn't always quite in the right place where it was supposed to be in certain of the moves. And my brain was telling me it was, but when I looked, my arm just wasn't there. <laughs> it wasn't there. My God. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. <laughs> and I also noticed at that time that when I was walking, it didn't quite swing freely. There was a stiffness in it. I'd kind of written that off as being, you know, just some sort of muscle stiffness and didn't think too much about it. So I never went to the doctor. I complained a little bit to my uh, general practitioner, and he thought that it might be from the fact that maybe I work with computers all the time and I'm on a keyboard a lot and that, that I was sitting a lot during the day. So we never really went into it very deeply. Uh, about two years later, I started developing a small tremor in one of my fingers, and then at that point I knew that something was probably wrong. And uh, in one of my visits to Oregon to visit my mother, I was stretching and I was, uh, you know, very tired. And I noticed I had a very definite cogwheel, cogwheel uh, tremor in my left hand. And at that point, I knew that uh, I needed to see a neurologist and that uh, there definitely was something wrong. Yeah. So when I got back to Israel, I made an appointment with a neurologist, and uh, I remember walking into his office and. Uh, I didn't even open my mouth. I didn't even. I wasn't even able to explain what was wrong with me. He just took one look at me and says, "Yeah, Parkinson's." Wow. All he had to do was look at me and he said, "Yeah, Parkinson's." You, you, you have a, um, uh, you know, your 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 face is expressionless. You're stooped when you walk. You have a bit of a tremor. And of course, at that time, I, you know, I just kind of went into shock. I really didn't know exactly what Parkinson's was. I didn't understand the full implications of that. And so. Uh, he started writing out a prescription of pills, of all different kinds of pills, and telling me that you had to take, you know, 0.25 milligrams for a week and then uh, go up to another 2.5 milligrams and on and on and on. And I really didn't uh, absorb it, a single thing that he said. My, my head was in a total haze, you know, that he had Parkinson's. And so after, the, after I got done with the doctor, I just kind of walked out of his office, and I was supposed to meet my wife for dinner. and. Uh, I went to the restaurant, and she was there waiting for me, and we, I didn't really say anything to her right at, right at the beginning, and we went ahead and ordered our food. And then when the food came, she said, well, how did your uh, exam go? And uh, the doctor said, well, I have Parkinson's. And uh, like I say, we didn't really understand the full implications of that. One of the things the doctor did tell me at that time, though, was that uh, basically the medication works for about three years. It works good for about three years. They call that the honeymoon period. During three years, when you're on the medication, you can be treated and feel as if you don't have Parkinson's at all. After three years, as you get worse, the medication starts to lose its effectiveness, and then you start to feel like you're going downhill. So basically, that's what I told my wife about this honeymoon period and about the medication. 
And so basically what it, what it sounded like, what we, the way we interpreted, interpreted the whole story was that I had about three years left. Oh, my God. That was it, huh? After three years, life is over. That's Four kids. That's, it. That's exactly how I felt. I had three good years left, <laughs> and after that, it was all downhill. Oh, wow. So, of course, by the time our food came, we weren't very hungry. Really? Really? That was and pretty upsetting. So, uh, I came home, and I looked on the Internet. I looked up Parkinson's, and I got a list of all Parkinson's symptoms. There's about 20 symptoms, major symptoms, and I started going through them one by one, and I had almost every single symptom. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very depressing. So, in addition to that, uh, so that was basically my diagnosis. Of course, I didn't want to believe what the doctor said, just on a simple, uh, you know, uh, walk in the door and look at me, you have Parkinson's type of thing. So, of course, we got a second opinion, and they ran all kinds of tests, MRIs and blood tests, and through the process of elimination, they basically uh, said, well, you don't have this, and you don't have that, and you don't have this other thing, so you must have Parkinson's. So... Which sustained that dark cloud, I would imagine, that was around you. Yeah, so I was uh, I was pretty depressed because I, you know, basically based on the uh, forecast that the doctor had given me, I didn't have a very bright future. That uh, I had those three good years left, and that was about it. So uh, this is the beginning of the story. Let's take a short break here, and obviously we're going to see and hear about what happened after the actual diagnosis of Parkinson's for Daniel. We'll be right back. This is Robert Rogers. You're listening to my interview with Daniel Loney. We are going to Alaska May the 3rd, and I want to invite everybody to consider coming with us. There is uh, obviously an obligation to pay for the cruise, and um, I figured out that because this is the very first part of December, there are five months until the cruise actually launches from Seattle, Washington, for seven days. And if you were to put aside $140 per month between now and May the 3rd, you are able to pay for the full cruise, which includes all of the entertainment and the meals and, of course, the lodging as well. Uh, the cost is only $699 uh, per person. You can't beat that deal. You really can't go anywhere for $100 a day. I mean, you can't go anywhere in the United States, Canada, France, England. I don't care where yet. Israel, you can't go there for $100 U.S. per day. We've gotten the low rate because uh, this is actually the first launch up to Alaska by this amazing ship, Holland America. And so in working with the tour people, we figured that what we want to have is a tour that's uh, very, very inexpensive. Parkinson's recovery staff will be there, and we'll be doing workshops and presentations helping everybody uh, to maintain their progress on a road to recovery from the symptoms of Parkinson's. So you get all of that in addition to, of course, a wonderful experience of a vacation. I want to also remind everybody that if you'd like to have CDs of the radio programs each and every week delivered to your house, you can get them through the Parkinson's Recovery Weekly Reader, which makes a actually wonderful holiday present. There's a link on the radio station page that you can click on and find uh, additional information about uh, actually uh, acquiring that for yourself or for a loved one. The price at this point is very low, though the company has indicated to me that they're going 
going to require about a 50% increase. So the time to order that subscription to a Parkinson's Recovery Weekly Reader is, as it turns out, now during the holiday season. I now return to this uh, spectacular interview with Daniel Loney. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery, and I'm interviewing Daniel Looney, who's about to tell us the uh, next part of his experience after having been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Okay. After I had been initially diagnosed with Parkinson's by the doctor, unfortunately, about two weeks later, my mother passed away. She had had an extended battle with cancer. And so I uh, had to fly back to Oregon, from Israel to Oregon, in order to arrange the funeral and for, to arrange for her burial. By that time, my, my symptoms were bad enough that I wasn't even sure I'd be able to make the trip. But I did make the trip. And, of course, uh, losing a parent is, is something very hard to go through, and it basically just uh, aggravates the symptoms that much more. On top of that, in the middle of the... Uh, there's, in Jewish tradition, we have like a seven-day mourning period it is a very heavy type of mourning period where we just kind of uh, uh, sit and stay still and let people bring us food and, and let people serve us and things like that sort. But right in the middle of the seven-day mourning period was the famous 9/11, oh my. Twin Towers disaster. Yeah. And of course, I was planning on staying in Oregon just for the seven days and flying back to Israel and uh, slipping back into my normal uh, way of life. Unfortunately, all all the airports were closed down. I wasn't able to get a flight for another two weeks. And so I was stuck there for three weeks altogether without family and without friends. And it was just, you know, by the time I finally did make it back to Israel, I was just a real basket case. I bet. You know, I was just uh, really, really in bad shape. Anyway, I went into a period of, of depression. And I wouldn't say that it was, it was severe depression, but it was a period of depression. Uh, during that year of mourning for my mother, I wasn't mourning just for her, but I was actually found that I was mourning for myself as well, because I felt that, for, to a large extent, I was I was dead as well. You know, I had these three years hanging over my head, and then my life would be going downhill as well. So I was mourning for my mother, and I was mourning for myself at the same time. I began to go downhill very rapidly. My uh, condition deteriorated till I got quite bad. I almost quit doing Tai Chi altogether. In fact, I wasn't able to do it. Uh, I tried doing the form, the Tai Chi form, which is a very slow movement, and I was shaking so bad that I couldn't even get through it. Um, I stopped going to classes. I stopped uh, taking lessons from REA uh, because I was very embarrassed of what the other students would, would uh, see if I was there, that I would be shaking so bad and that I would have to quit. I was very embarrassed of that. And I was having difficulty doing my job. As I say, I've been involved in the computer industry for like uh, 35 years. And uh, I found out that uh, when I was in meetings, that I would many times go to a meeting. And uh, when I came out of the meeting, I wouldn't remember what was discussed in the meeting. I, you know, I was, I was like suffering from confusion, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, things of that sort. I remember going to one meeting uh, with uh, my, my cohort, my partner, and it was with our boss, and our boss spent a half hour explaining to us everything that he wanted us to do. I came out of the meeting, and I said, Avram, I think I'm losing it. I didn't understand a thing that he said in that meeting. And Avram turned to me and said, that's okay. I didn't understand a thing. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> said, well, what are we going to do if he asks us, you know, how, if he asks for a status report or what's going on? I said, Don't worry. If it's important, he'll explain it to us again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. 
but also uh, because I do work with computers, part of my job is uh, hauling around cables and plugging cables in in the back of computers for, for uh, and test equipment and things of that sort. And I was shaking so bad that I couldn't even plug plug a cable in the computer anymore. I had to have someone help me. So I was in I was in very bad shape. So basically, uh, you know, my my self confidence in my in my body was it was just totally destroyed. I just felt like I I my mind was willing, but my body just wouldn't do what uh, I wanted it to do. What my brain was telling it to do. So I went through a period of time, about a year, where I was seeking out various alternative treatments. I tried. Ayurvedic medicine with uh, with herbs and was taking yoga lessons. I went to a Tibetan monk and he was doing a massage along various energy meridians and also acupuncture. I tried Chinese herbology. All of them helped to an extent, but not really a lot. So uh, I wasn't taking Western medication at that time. Oh, so you decided not to take the medications and get that three-year honeymoon. I went about three years without taking the medications. And it was that honeymoon period I didn't take my medications. <laughs> right. so I, was, I was looking for an alternative treatment instead. So uh, finally something happened that basically changed the whole course of the way I was going completely. I'm not the type of person that takes a lot of stock in dreams. or I wasn't then, but now I do. But one night I had a very vivid dream of my mother, and she was crying. And she was rubbing my my cheek, and she was saying, "It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay." And I didn't really understand what that meant. And uh, there's various sites on the internet. Thank God for the internet for dream interpretations. So I went to one of the sites and I looked up what a crying parent means. And a crying parent usually is, has something to do with a chronic illness, a sign of a chronic illness. And the fact that she was saying it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, meant that it really was going to be okay. Uh. And over the period of several weeks, I had several other vivid dreams, which I won't go into the details of right now. But when I looked at the interpretations of them, they basically said that my subconscious was trying to communicate with my conscious and that I was about time, it was about time to make some very drastic changes in my life. I changed directions completely. And so I knew that, that that something something big was going to be was going to be happening was going to be coming up. So I decided at that point that what I you know I could I could spend the rest of my life running around traveling around the world seeking out all kinds of alternate alternative treatments, spending a lot of money, but nothing was going to help unless I was willing to take responsibility for myself. Western medicine wasn't going to be able to cure me or help me relieve my symptoms. Alternative medicine wasn't going to be able to help me or uh, cure my symptoms. It was going to be basically up to me. Now, I could rely on on Western medicine. I could rely on various alternative uh, um, uh, things as well. But, you know, all in all, what was really going to save me or was really going to help me was was taking responsibility for my own health. Everything else would be in conjunction with that. So basically... um, you know, after going through all that rigmarole, I, I basically decided, well, you know, I've had the tools all along to help me, and basically what I have to do is I have to go back to Tai Chi because that's that's what I know, that's what I've been studying all these years, and that's going to be the key for dealing with my symptoms of Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And that um, based on these dreams, I knew that I had to do some very serious 
reprioritization of my life. And there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of changes coming. I was fortunate that to most of my life's goals I had already met in my life, and I was I was I was able to meet them at a very young age. The goals that I had set for myself, and there was not a lot in my life that I had left undone, and that. Um, Basically, that I had had a very rewarding and adventurous life, and that, um, you know, most of what was, you know, if I were to die at that point, it would have been enough. I would have said I had a good life, and, you know, it would have been enough. I would have been satisfied. But I knew that there was still more waiting for me. Now, there's a movie out that's been out for several years. It's very popular here. It's called The Bucket List. Have you heard of that movie? No. It's Bucket List that stars Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. And it's about two elderly men that have cancer, and they meet in the hospital. And one of them is very rich. And together they make up a bucket list, which is a list of everything they want to do before they kick the bucket, before they die. And so what they do is they make up this list, and they fly all around the world doing all these things that they want to do before they die, before they kick the bucket. And after that movie, I had many of my friends writing themselves a bucket list, a listing of all the things they want to do before they die. Well, I didn't want to write a bucket list. I wanted to write a list about what I want to do every day. How do I want to spend the rest of my life every single day? And I basically came up with three things. The first was family. I wanted to enjoy my family. I wanted to help them realize their goals and aspirations and just be with them. The second thing I wanted to do is I wanted to build clocks. Clocks is a hobby of mine. I build grandfather clocks as a hobby. And my father had built a grandfather clock for each one of his kids. And after I had been initially diagnosed with Parkinson's, in order to uh, help maintain my fine motor skills, I was looking for a hobby. And so I decided that I would do what my father did, that I would build a grandfather clock for each of my kids. Wow. And so that's what I'm doing. I have one clock built now, and I've just started on the second clock. You have uh, four clocks to do then, is that right? Yeah, I have four clocks to do all together. And when I'm done with that, I'll probably build a clock for my for myself, my wife and myself, and uh, who knows who else. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So these are clocks built from scratch, is that right? Uh, the first one's a kit, and the rest of them will probably be built from scratch. Wow, amazing. So, and they're full, you know, six-foot-tall grandfather clocks. So, And, of course, the third thing on my list was I wanted to help others through Tai Chi. And so basically that's the three things I do every single day of my life. That's how I want to spend every day of my life from here on, you know, until I get, until I feel that there's uh, time for another change. Okay, so one of the things that was not on that list was work. <laughs> I noticed that. Family clocks and helping others through Tai Chi, but uh, you don't have any work listed here. <laughs> well, after I made my list, uh, several days later, I went into work. I got my bosses together into a room, and I said, uh, you know, I, uh, they knew that I had Parkinson's. I had been open from the very beginning when I was initially diagnosed that I had Parkinson's. And so I told them, you know, uh, my job is becoming uh, increasingly difficult for me to do my job, and I'm going on sick leave. I had about six months of sick leave accrued because I had taken very little sick leave during the years that I'd worked at this company. And so I said, I'm going on extended sick leave, and during that period of time, I'm going to apply for disability pension. And if I don't get disability pension, I may come back. If I do get it, you won't see me again. And so uh, I haven't been back to work since. Wow. <laughs> so, so 
was shortly after I, uh, quote, uh, retired or stopped working, I, um, it's, it's a stage of life that I call Tai Chi, Tai Chi, Tai Chi. All, you know, it's, it's, I put extreme emphasis on Tai Chi. I began taking the Tai Chi very, very seriously in order to reduce my symptoms and, and improve my quality of life. The depression and mental symptoms disappeared almost immediately as I gained self-confidence in myself, as I gained self-confidence doing, doing the form with Tai Chi and as I began to uh, gain my strength back, my tremors have uh, disappeared almost completely. They're, they're basically non-existent today. You won't see me shaking. If you see me on the straight, I will not be shaking. Um, relaxed, I'm, I'm very relaxed. I've reduced the stress in my life. Uh, retiring from my job has been the main uh, reason for that. Um, my walking has improved. I no longer stoop when I walk. I walk upright. I have improved stability and coordination and much better, uh, better, better body strength, overall body strength. So I was able to reduce, you know, over a period of about six months to a year, many of my symptoms through uh, serious involvement in Tai Chi. Uh, today, my, my basically my daily routine, routine or exercise routine consists of about 40 minutes of Tai Chi in the morning. I usually try to walk every day between 30 and 40 minutes, and then I lift lift weights, lift light weights uh, about two or three times a week, and that's my exercise routine. I don't believe in over-exercising. I don't believe in getting, uh, running myself down, getting tired. I believe that after workout, you should feel energized. You shouldn't feel, uh, you know, like, like overly tired. And so usually, you know, an hour to an hour and a half max is, is, is my exercise routine a day. Usually it's closer to an hour a day. So, and I also want to say that, you know, it's very important that, have, that you have a good support group, and I have... Uh, you know, Ari has been very good working with me with the Tai Chi. You know, he's been, uh, I, I've been working with him on specific symptoms that we've been trying to overcome. Uh, I also have a good set of doctors that I work with. Um, usually doctors and I don't get along very well, well together, and it uh, usually takes us a while to work out our relationship because I don't listen to what they say and they don't listen to what <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but usually I, I, I've, never, I've never gotten rid of a doctor yet. Usually I stick with them and eventually we come to an understanding and we, we, we work well together. So I have a very good neurologist that I'm very happy with and a family doctor and a urologist and, and several other doctors as well. So I have a good team of doctors. And, of course, I have to mention my family and my friends. I have a very good support group and a lot of encouragement that keeps me going. Do you go to a support group for Parkinson's? Yes. Um, as, I, as you had mentioned earlier, I am involved in the Israel Parkinson's Association. And uh, they have branches all over the country and all the major population centers in the country. I think there's about 12 branches altogether. And each branch has a support group. So I'm very involved in a support group. We meet we meet once every every two weeks. So, a uh, word about the Israel Parkinson's Association is that, uh, is that there's about 26,000 people with Parkinson's in Israel, out of a population of seven million. I think that if you work that out statistically, it comes out about out to this, uh, comes out to about the same number, proportionally as people with uh, Parkinson's in the United States. Mm-hmm. So the percentages are basically about the same. So I do, uh, before I get in too much more into what I do, I want to I want to take a word here and mention a little bit about stress, take a few words about stress, because that's one of the things that you mentioned quite a bit in your, um, on your uh, on your site. You know, when Ari first approached me and uh, uh, 
or, and told me about his interview, he'd asked me if I if I had heard of the Parkinson's recovery site. And uh, I'm pretty. I do a lot of uh, of uh, surfing on the internet, and I thought I knew most of the sites, but uh, amazingly enough, I hadn't heard of your site. So when he asked me, I said no. And he told me about the interview that you had done with him, and of course I wanted to listen to it, so I got onto your site and I listened to his interview. And I looked around and listened to some of the other interviews on your site, and from that point on, I was hooked. You know. <laughs> oh, great! I, I think you have a very good site, and I think you have a lot to say. I think that you're really onto something. One of the things that you stress is stress. Okay, you feel one of the, one of the things that you and uh, you and Debbie st- are are very very key on is that uh, is that stress or tension could be one of the triggers for for uh, for Parkinson's. And I had never I had thought about that in the past, and I had, I had thought that well stress you know definitely had a very big role in my life. And possibly that could have been the uh, the trigger for Parkinson's in my life as well. Um, being vol- involved in high tech, it's a very stressful environment. And I was involved in high tech before it was called high tech. You know, there was no such thing as PCs or uh, you know or, or uh, screens or anything of that sort. When I when I graduated college, everything was teletype and punch cards were used for input, and discs were the size of uh, phonograph records the old 33 RPM phonograph records. And so it, it moves at an extremely fast pace. And there's very tight deadlines, a lot of stress. I've been in most of the companies I've worked for. I've been responsible for mainframe computers and many of the company's operations like payroll and assembly line processes and manufacturing all run on the mainframe computers. And when those go down, you might have thousands of people that can't work. They might have to stop the assembly line. And you have to get the system back online as fast as possible, and you're under extreme stress during those periods of time. You're on call 24/7. Whenever the phone rings, you never you never know when you're going to have to go in or or not. So my job basically had, was a very stressful uh, uh, had a very stressful role in my life, and basically I did that for 35 years. So the other thing was the Guillain Beret. Uh, I had that at age 33. And that was also a very stressful point in my life, and uh, you know that happened about 15 years before I actually developed the, the symptoms of Parkinson's. And of course, you don't develop par- the symptoms of Parkinson's until about 15 or 20 years after the Parkinson's actually actually starts, after those dopamine cells start dying off, because the symptoms don't show up until about 80% of the cells are dead. So that could also also have been a possible uh, trigger for my Parkinson's. You know, I'll never know what the exact reason is, but uh, there's definitely very stressful uh, things in my life. Also, I uh, chose to live in a country which is in a very stressful uh, part of the world, and I uh, served 15 years in the uh, Israel Army uh, Reserves and went through some very stressful uh, assignments there as well. So stress has always played a very important role in my life. That's to be sure. We'll return with uh, my interview with uh, Daniel in just a minute. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. You are listening to this most incredible interview with Daniel Loney. I have just uh, released the desktop copy of my book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. The good news is that the print version, that is the hard copy version that you can cuddle up in bed with, is going to be actually released next week. 
This book uh, provides my uh, uh, work over the last three years, identifying the factors that cause the symptoms of Parkinson's and all the many different uh, choices you've got uh, to be able to address these particular symptoms and get relief and feel better. We're going to be going to Alaska in 2010 in just five months. I've always wanted to see the Glacier Bay National Park. You can only do that, actually, uh, touring in a ship. So we'll be on the medium-sized ship, the Holland America Amsterdam, leaving on May 3rd from Seattle. And the great news is that this particular experience is going to cost only $100 a day. So the total price winds up being $699. The price is literally unbeatable. The other wonderful news I've got for you is, as you're thinking about considering taking the Parkinson's Recovery Alaska Cruise, where I'll be talking about the road to recovery, and we'll be working uh, with the participants and helping you find ways to get relief from your symptoms, we have a resource man who is available to provide assistance in getting air travel to Seattle at the right time, answering questions about how you get from the airport over to the ship or if it's necessary to stay in a hotel of the time before. Uh, Truckee Robertson is an amazing man. He's a travel agent here located in Olympia, Washington, who has offered his services to be able to help us help people get aboard the Holland America Amsterdam on May the 3rd. Call Truckee, ask him your questions about the cruise. He knows everything about the ship. He's been on the ship. He may actually join us on this particular cruise to Alaska. His phone number is 360-987-2333. He's the one that you actually <clears throat> connect with and make your re reservations with. There's a down payment of $175 that's due by the end of the month in order to take advantage of this discounted early bird price. It's going to be an awesome experience, and I can also promise you that being in the presence of of other individuals who are on the road to recovery is an amazing experience. We just had this uh, experience the last couple of days at our Jump Start to Wellness event in Olympia, Washington, and I want to say it has energized everybody who came from all over the United States and Canada. We are new people as a result of our two-day experience. So come find out about Road to Recovery from Parkinson's and meet an amazing group of individuals who will join Parkinson's Recovery on the Alaskan cruise in 2010, which begins May 3rd and lasts for seven marvelous days. Now back to my interview with Daniel. Tell us about your work, Daniel, with the Israel Parkinson's Association. Okay, when I was initially diagnosed with Parkinson's, I had basically uh, enrolled or uh, signed up with the Israel Parkinson's Association. I went to several of their meetings, but I was very depressed in the beginning because I saw people coming in with walkers and wheelchairs and with caregivers and people bent over and shaking. Of course, I saw that was my future, and so it made me very depressed, and so I... I really didn't go to very many meetings after that. But uh, one day, I got a phone call. Or I should say my wife got a phone call. They had they had set up a hotline. With the, uh, the Israel Parkinson's Association had set up a hotline. And they were having a meeting, and they were going down the roll call and inviting everyone who to come to the meeting. And one of the things they had mentioned to my wife was that they were looking for a sports teacher, someone who was willing to work with Parkinson's people. And uh, 
on some sort of exercise program. And my wife told him, well, my husband uh, isn't a sports teacher, but he is a, he's in a certified uh, Tai Chi instructor. And so, of course, they were very interested in, in that. So uh, they wanted me to call him back. So I called back the head of the uh, Jerusalem branch, Miriam Hayot, who was a very wonderful lady who volunteers much of her time to the use of the Parkinson's Association. She herself does not have Parkinson's. And, of course, she was very interested in setting up a Tai Chi group here in Jerusalem. And so I met with her in a restaurant, and we went over basically, uh, it was kind of like an interview. She wanted to know more about me and, and my life and what I had been through. And, of course, I was uh, very uh, self-conscious at the time of, of teaching. Uh, uh, I had stopped teaching uh, Tai Chi altogether because of my Parkinson's. I was very self-conscious of my, uh, of my tremors and of my symptoms. I didn't feel comfortable out in, in you know, teaching a normal group, even though uh, you know, I, I was still in the process of, of basically uh, um, getting rid or recuperating from many of my, uh, my, my uh, severe symptoms. I really wasn't operating at full steam yet. Anyway, she arranged for me. She wanted to arrange a demonstration for me at the next uh, at the next Parkinson's meeting. So I said, well, okay, we can do that. I'll come and I'll give a talk about Tai Chi, and I'll do a little demonstration, show people a little bit about what it's about. So I got there that evening, and there was 40 people there, and they were all sitting around in a circle, and I was in the middle. And I had prepared a little lecture, and... Uh, uh, um, lecturing and verbal communication is not one of my strong points. So I began talking and explaining a little, about, about, a little bit about what Tai Chi is. And I went on for about five minutes, and I just kept getting these blank looks back. It looks like it just wasn't soaking in. People weren't understanding. It's probably my fault. I probably wasn't explaining, you know, explaining it correctly, or I probably wasn't interesting. Maybe I was boring. I don't know. So I decided, well, it's time to ad-lib. So I put down my notes. And my wife was there with me. She came to help me along. And so she came out in the middle of the circle with me. I said, okay, I want you to throw a punch. And she, she threw a punch. <laughs> at you. <laughs> at me. I said, this is your opportunity to, to give me a licking. Okay. <laughs> and I, I took, you know, she threw the punch. Rather than blocking it, I took a Tai Chi, um, you know, uh, basically I, I merged with her punch. I basically... Um, as she punched, I yielded. I went back and basically drew her in so that she lost her balance. Now, she went to punch as if I was there, but I wasn't there, you know, because I basically yielded to her punch. I moved back. And when she became off balance, I was able to push her very lightly and push her off balance. <laughs> and, of course, people thought, oh, hey, that's really cool. That's cool. And this was not planned then. You, you guys hadn't talked about doing this, right? Living. So I, I went around the circle, you know, so that everyone could see. And some people were getting out of their seats, and they were coming, do that again, do that again. <laughs> because she was, she was trying to give me a punch, and I was kind of basically just yielding with it and coming back and lightly pushing her, very lightly, you know, and she would and, and knock her off balance. So I would, if I would have really pushed her, I could have actually pushed her up against the wall yeah. and really hurt her. So anyway, uh, after that, I explained to them, Tai Chi is basically a series of these self-defense moves that are strung together in a form. And so I slowly began to do the form. The Tai Chi is done very slowly. I slowly began to do the form, and I did about the first third of the form. 
and I was as I was doing it, I was nervous. You know, I was in, you know, I was solo in front of 40 people in the middle of a circle, and I had never done that before in my life. You know, Tai Chi solo without other people around me, and so I was nervous, and I had a little bit of a tremor in my hand. You know, and I was thinking to myself, "Oh boy, they're going to notice the shaking." But then I said to myself, "Well, listen, everyone in this room is shaking. What does it matter?" Yeah. You know, so so I went through the I went through the first third of the, third of the form, and when I finished, complete silence. Nothing. You hear a pin drop. I looked around. And I said to myself, "Oh no, was it that bad?" You know. So then I started doing the form again. And I was doing as I was doing the form the second time. I I started to explain to them what the various self-defense moves were of each uh, of each move that I was doing. And they began to get up out of their seats. And they came over and they crowded around me, and they were looking very closely. And I started hearing remarks of. Wow, isn't that beautiful? Look at this dance. Look at his posture. It's unbelievable. Or isn't that amazing? You know, of course, with all these positive contact comments, I was getting better and better and better, you know, because uh, I was feeling better. And so I got done with the second, doing going through the second time. And I started going through the third time. And the third time, I started explaining some of the principles about softness and relaxing and movement coming from the hips and separation of weight. And I looked up, and all around the room, everyone was trying to copy me. Everyone was trying to do the form. People were out of their wheelchairs. People were had their walkers against the wall. Even the caregivers, the hired caregivers, were trying to do it. <laughs> so everybody was copying your moves, then. Yeah, it was like it was like one big party. You know, I, I said to myself, "Who spiked the punch?" <laughs> People were laughing and they were smiling, and it was, you know, that was probably the high point of. of uh, you know, one of the high points of my life right there, you know, the people really identified with what I was doing. Yeah. So then as the evening went on, I tried to show people, I tried to give people something that they could take home. And when you go to a neurologist, one of the first things he does is that he wants to check your stability. And what he does is he stands in back of you, and he tells you to stand straight, and he puts both hands on your shoulder, and he kind of gives you a flick and tries to pull you backwards to see if he can, he can knock you off balance. And if he does knock you off balance, whether you can regain your balance or not. And if you stand stiff as a board, you're just going to go right over. So what I taught them to do is to pretend you're a tree, you know, that, that you have roots that go deep into the ground and that your body is like the trunk swaying in the wind. And don't stand like a board. Be soft. Don't, don't lock your knees. Kind of bend your knees a little bit. And when he pulls you back, just kind of go with it, you know. And it'll be a lot harder for him to pull you off balance. He still may succeed in pulling you off balance, but it's going to be a lot harder for him to uh, to do it. And of course, they were really amazed at this, and so everyone wanted to try it. And so I had all these little ladies coming up to me. I'm not a very tall person; I'm about five nine. But I had all these little ladies come up to me where their head comes out to my nose, and they're going, they're going "Danny, push me down." <laughs> <laughs> let me let me practice that. I want to fool my neurologist. <laughs> But anyway, after that, I had about 14 people that signed up, and so that's how I started my first my first group. Um, let's see what else do I want to say here in regards to that? Um, so basically, I had a group, but now I had to decide what was it I going to teach? What was I going to teach now? How how I, I had never taught people with some movement disorders before, or people with Parkinson's, and I wasn't really sure how to go about how to go about teaching them. I had some goals in mind. Um, because Parkinson's is a progressive disease, I felt that it would be a reasonable goal that if after six months to a year 
of doing Tai Chi, if someone would, you know, if my students could come to me and say, I didn't get worse. You know, if they could at least say they didn't get worse, I felt that that was already a, uh, a positive. Yeah, story. yeah. You know, they didn't get worse. I also felt that I wanted to be true to the masters, that I wanted to teach pure Tai Chi. I wasn't out to, to, uh, to make a name for myself. I wasn't out to come out with a new methodology or anything like that. I wanted to teach pure Tai Chi as passed down to RA and passed down to me as the master, as, as, it, as it passed down to me by the masters. Much of what I would be doing would be what RA was already doing. He had a, had a, uh, had a program in place that he used, and much of what I did, I adopted from him. Also, I met another person who, uh, this is kind of inter- an interesting story. When I had done the, the demonstration, there was a person there by the name of Joel, and Joel was working with a personal trainer by the name of Marilyn Korn, who I didn't know. And before I'd actually started teaching uh, my group, she had called me one evening, and she had said that uh, Joel is one of my patients, and I have an exercise program for him. And uh, he had told me that he had seen your demonstration and that he was amazed that he said you had Parkinson's for so long and that he couldn't even tell you had Parkinson's. And I passed out a paper, and Joel had let Marilyn read the paper, and she said, you know, I'm very interested in what you're doing. You know, I'd like to help you. I'd like to volunteer to, to help you and to, um, you know, if it, you know, and learn a little bit about what you're doing. So basically, you know, she told me about her experience. She had had extensive experience working with people with, uh, with uh, movement disorders, and also, also with the elderly, with the old majors, and many of her clients were Parkinson's people as well. And of course, I couldn't turn that down. You know, I had someone that was willing to help me and, and be there in the class with me. And re- Marilyn has remarkable talent and ability for be able, being able to take uh, fairly complicated moves, which many of the Tai Chi moves are complicated, take uh, a lot of coordination, and breaking them down into very minute steps so that they can be very easily explained to other people so that they can be uh, taught quite easily. So I also owe her a lot. We are still friends to this day, and I exchange quite a bit of information back and forth uh, regarding our clients and regarding various uh, various exercises. I adopted many of her exercises into my program. She, had, of course, adopted many of my exercises into her program. Ah, what a collaboration! So yeah, so it's been a very good it's been a very good relationship. Um, many of the exercises that I do, I had to isolate various movements from from the from the form and develop uh, certain um, uh, exercises out of them. Okay, I'm constantly uh, creating new exercises and, and looking at new things. I think that one of the things that, uh, I, as I began to talk to people before I started teaching the classes, there were other uh, exercise classes around that, that Parkinson's people were going to. But they basically had two major complaints about the, uh, about the exercise classes that they were going to. First of all, they were too hard. And second of all, the instructors didn't weren't familiar enough with with their with their needs. So I knew that first of all, what I had to do had to be simple enough so that people could 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 do it, and so that they would enjoy it. Because having fun, if if you don't have fun doing it, you're not going to do it. You know, on, a, on an everyday basis, it has to be something that you enjoy and something that you have fun with. As far as understanding their needs, who better could understand their needs than someone who has Parkinson's? You know, someone who lives their symptoms. You know, I knew it worked for me, and I was willing to, to share with them what worked for me, and I believe that it would work for them as well. So, uh, I'm, as I said before, I'm, I'm 
constantly adding new exercises, and it's a very creative sort of thing to develop uh, new exercises based on, on Tai Chi principles. Uh, one example that I can use to tell you what I do is that I, I try to come up with exercises that are uh, very usable in a, in a day-to-day situation. Uh, here in Israel, people tend to ride buses a lot, and every city has what we call the central bus station. And the central bus station tends to be a very busy place with people running around and uh, usually... Uh, you know, when, when you're getting on a bus here, pe- people don't, you know, wait in line nicely. They kind of push and shove everyone's trying to get the bus. <laughs> right. Not, not like America, where, you know, people wait nice and quiet. <laughs> There's a lot of pushing and shoving here. So I developed the exercise, and it came about like this. I, uh, my wife wanted to go to a crafts fair one evening at a park, and I said, okay, I'll go. And we got there, and it was just mobbed. It was just packed. You know, and it was on the grass, it was on uneven ground, it was packed, little kids were running around, and people were jostling each other, pushing each other. And I looked at that from a distance, and I said, as a Parkinson's people, that's suicide to go in there. You know, but because I love my wife, I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> so I began to walk, and I said, you know, the only way I'm going to get through this is to be flexible. Pretend, once again, like I'm a tree. That my roots deep into the ground, and my swamp, and my... my my body is, is the trunk. And as people knock me, rather than stay stiff and hit as a board, and then and stiff as a board, they'll knock me over. In other words, if I'm walking along and someone's walking in the opposite direction and their shoulder hits my shoulder, if I'm very stiff, it's going to knock me over. If I don't have good, good rooting and good stability. So what I want to do is I want to be very soft so that when they hit me, I basically turn. I'm like a revolving door. I just turn with their hit. And basically, they just kind of glide right by me. So that's one of the exercises that I teach to be sensitive, not only to your own body, but when you're touched by other bodies, to be sensitive to their feel and their touch and their strength. So you basically go with them. You glide with them. And that keeps you from being pushed over. And so that's one of the exercises that I've developed that I work on quite a bit with people. So I try to do things that that are practical, and useful on a day-to-day basis with, uh, with Parkinson's people. Okay. In my first class, um, like I said, I didn't really know what to expect. So when I, when I got my first class together, the very first session, uh, I did some general warm-up exercises and various coordination exercises just to gauge where people were at, you know, and see, you know, how, what kind of shape they're in. And after about 10 minutes, I said, oy vey. You know, this, these guys are unbelievable. You know, they're, you know they're, they're, there's a hand here and a foot there and a leg there and an arm there. They're just everything was just all over the place. You know, there was no no integration of their body whatsoever. And I said to myself, boy, we're gonna have to not start at the beginning. We're gonna have to go back way before the beginning. We, we don't go back to zero. We go back to like minus ten. Yeah. So, so I started doing some very basic uh, strengthening exercises over a period of about three months. And after about three months, I was able to actually start with them where I would normally start with a, with a, with a, normal, a normal class. But uh, six months to a year later, though, I look at the class, I look at my, my senior students who have been with me for about a year now, and I see how they move, and it is just unbelievable. You know, it makes me cry you know, to see, to see that, the improvement that they've made. You know, they're, they're just so fluid and so flexible, and they just glide, and it's, just, it's unbelievable. Wow. And I've gotten some really, really good, you know, compliments from people. I had one one lady come up to me and say, you know, her husband refused to go out of the house, that he was uh, he was too self-conscious in public. 
But after he started taking Tai Chi lessons with me, he goes out of the house on his own now. He goes for walks. He would never go out of the house before he started Tai Chi. And I had someone else, his wife came up to me and said, you know, my husband, we've gone with a walking tour on him around Jerusalem once. And, uh, and she said, my husband would, would have never gone on a tour like this before. He wouldn't be able to stand long enough. He wouldn't be able to walk long enough. But look at him. He's, he's out here and he's walking and he's having a good time. You know, and, uh, this is one of my best students. His name is Mayer. And he practices every single day and he's very dedicated. In fact, this last summer we went on vacation with them. We went to Prague and Budapest for two weeks, and he literally walked me into the ground. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in better shape than I am today. You know, so, so uh, you know, it works. You know, it works. If you dedicate yourself to it and you practice it and you do it every day, you know, it works. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. It works for me, and I've had it work for my students. We'll take a short break, and when we return, I'm going to ask Daniel to talk about the benefits of Tai Chi. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. I hope that you can join us on our Alaskan cruise, which leaves May the 3rd through the 10th. It's a seven-day cruise, the first cruise that goes up to uh, the Glacier Bay National Park of the entire season. The cruise normally costs $2,000, and because we're leaving early, we have a very special arrangement for only $699 a person to be able to get up and uh, see the magnificence of nature in uh, the Glacier Bay National Park, as well as visiting other cities in Alaska. It's going to be a magnificent trip where we'll also be talking about some of the work that we've been doing, helping individuals recover from the symptoms of Parkinson's, and also where I'll be talking about the road to recovery from Parkinson's disease. You can get all the help you need for travel assistance, airline connections, and answers to all your questions from Truckee Robertson. His phone number is 360-987-2333. Now back to Daniel. Daniel, tell us about the benefits of Tai Chi. Okay, well, I think that the uh, Tai Chi is basically uh, expressly... Uh, Built to help people with with Parkinson's, it's it's a uh, it's a very uh, all-encompassing workout. It, it tends to strengthen the body. By that I mean the muscles, the joints, the bones, and internal organs as well. It helps your flexibility, increases your flexibility, and opens your joints. Uh, many of the exercises work on your stability and uh, your balance. Uh, the exercises basically also work uh, very much on coordination. And teach you to work as uh, your body to work as one integrated unit that moves together as a whole. In other words, that when you move, you know, your arm isn't going one place and your leg going the other place, but everything moves as one integrated whole. Uh, it, imp it improves your posture. There's deep breathing, so you're breathing much uh, much deeper and much more freely. Um, I think the main thing, one of the main things it does, is it increases your bodily awareness because there's a meditation element involved. While you're doing the form slowly, you're meditating on your body. You're very aware of, of your body and where each part is. Where is my hand? Where is my foot? Where are my hips? Are they in line? Is my head directly over my shoulders? Are my shoulders directly over my hips? You know, and you're working very much on, on the very minute points of bodily alignment. I think that is very, very important. Also, because it is meditative, you're reducing stress. 
you are going deep into yourself. It allows you to get to know yourself, to become familiar with your strengths and your limitations. And I think uh, for the most important thing with Parkinson's is that it helps restore your self-confidence, that uh, you are able to see that you can still do things you didn't even think you can do. You can do certain things that normal people can't even do. <laughs> That's great. So, so you, know, you can do better than even normal people. So I think that it's a great boost of, of, uh, of your confidence. And once that confidence returns, you know, because when you, when you have a chronic, a chronic illness like, like Parkinson's, you know, it just it just destroys your your confidence in your body completely. You know, but once that confidence begins to return, you're just such you know so much more happier person. You're much more involved in life, and you're much more involved. You know, you're more exuberant. And you're a much more caring person, and willing to give of yourself. And I think that is, is the key one of the key components for for uh, for improving your, your the quality of your life right there. Just, just self confidence. So the way my classes are usually structured is that I try to structure them as a kind of a mini support group. I usually uh, schedule a uh, green tea break in the middle, some point where we can sit down for five or ten minutes as a group and just uh, talk, you know, freely. We can talk about each other's symptoms. We can talk about medications. We can talk about Tai Chi. We can, whatever people feel like talking about. And then after our break, you know, it kind of brings a cohesiveness to the group. We get to know each other you know, on an informal basis. And, you know, my students are not just students to me. They're, they're personal friends. I try to develop a personal relationship with every student that I have. And I meet with them outside of the class as well. You know, that uh, all of my students are personal friends as well. We spend time together. We're in the support groups together. We go on the tours together. You know, they're, they're part of my life. You know, I'm not, I'm not just their teacher. I'm their friend, and they're my friend as well. And, of course, one of the main ingredients of the class is that it's fun. As I mentioned earlier in the interview, if the class isn't fun, if you're not having fun, people aren't going to do it. They have to enjoy what they're doing. They have to look forward to coming to the classes. They have to look forward to being with the other people. It's, it's, it's just a very important uh, component. And uh, my typical class lesson consists of several components. Basically, the, we start out with a, a stretching and strength type of exercises. And we do exercises based on Tai Chi principles. All of my exercises are based on Tai Chi principles. We have a period where we uh, do Qigong, which are Chinese uh, medical exercises, good for uh, various parts of the body and various organs. I work a lot on walking. In fact, I have several walking exercises where I have people walk forward, I have people walk sideways, I have people walk backwards. And I even have a, a cross step where people have to cross their legs and walk. You know, they're... Uh, we, we use the sword for that. So I, I you know, I, walking is a very, very important part of the, of the whole routine. And with all the walking exercises, there's also hand movements that go with them, so that uh, you know, that, so that they're developing the coordination as well. For example, the forward walking we call silk wheeling because as you walk forward, your hand is moving around in such a way that you're, you're gently pulling silk from a cocoon and you're building a ball of, of silk. Oh. Or we have a sideways exercise where you're, you're a cloud. You're a cloud in the sky, and you're stepping sideways. And while you're, while you're doing that, your hands are, are kind of in front of your body, and they're kind of changing positions, kind of like a very soft cloud floating across the sky. So all of the, all of the moves and all of the exercises have specific names, and usually they're either uh, tailored after uh, things in nature or animals and that sort, so that people can very readily identify with them. So... 
We also uh, work in couples where uh, we have people gently gently push the other person so that they can be sensitive to, not, to the other person's feel. As I as I uh, alluded to earlier, the uh, the uh, central bus station exercise is, is one of those that we do. And uh, we also work with the sword. And for those that are capable, we also do the normal Tai Chi form as well. So, so basically, that's the format of my classes. So um, what do I do today? Okay, basically, I'm a Tai Chi instructor today for the Israel Parkinson's Association. I have several classes that I teach. I teach them free. Uh, it's my donation. Um, I teach them free to anyone who has Parkinson's and is a member of the Israel Parkinson's Association. I'm well-known in Israel among the Parkinson's circles, and I uh, do workshops, national workshops as well. The Israel Parkinson's Association has two uh, national conferences a year, and I give workshops at these conferences. Usually I have about 30 to 40 people attend each workshop. Uh, I speak to other nonprofit organizations also about my experiences, because one thing that we're finding out is that what is working for our uh, nonprofit organization, other people are interested in as well. And they have me do demonstrations and lectures and talks to their groups as well because they also are interested in, in starting Tai Chi groups for their, uh, for their organizations as well. Um, I also get uh, Parkinson's people referred to me from other doctors and from physical therapists. Uh, there's getting to be quite a few people in the med medical community who know of me, and they refer their patients to me, so I get uh, new students based on, uh, based on referrals. And uh, basically, I, I think, you know, if I had to sum it up, I am, I am extremely satisfied. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, what I'm doing now is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing at this point in my life. I, I really feel strongly about that. I am just completely fulfilled. And I'm, I've learned that my life is not over. Those three honeymoon years are, you know, long past. And my, wife is just, my life is just, you know, just so rewarding and so fulfilled that I, I've never been happier than I am right now in my life. So, so where do we go from the future? Okay. For the, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to recommend REA sites for people that are interested in resource materials. He has, uh, as I say, I use REA's exercises, REA Bristol's exercises for many of the uh, things that I do. And he has some very specific products that I'd like to recommend. One is, uh, the name of the site, first of all, is www.taichifallsprevention.com. Okay. And he has a manual out there called the Tai Chi Falls Prevention Manual and a DVD that goes with it. That's worth, uh, worth looking at. And he also has Tai Chi and Qigong DVD set, which is another product which is very worth looking at. Both of those products I do, and I've developed, you know, I've, 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 uh, I've uh, adopted his exercises, and I find them very effective with, with my students. In addition, he has another book that I would recommend. It's called When, uh, when, uh, when Less is More, and you can find that on this, and it also has, a, has an accompanying video, and you can find that on www.JerusalemTaiChi, that's one word, JerusalemTaiChi.com. Having said that, I want to say that uh, if you really want to get the maximum benefit out of Tai Chi, you have to have a personal instructor. You have to have someone who's going to work with you on a daily or weekly basis, who can correct you, who can see whether you're properly aligned, aligned in the various movements and make corrections. 
and work with you on very specific symptoms. So in that regard, um, there's a couple things that I'm willing to do that I would like to do. Um, first of all, there's a couple forms that I would like to start. For anyone that uh, is a Tai Chi instructor that either teaches, currently teaches people with Parkinson's or would like to teach people with Parkinson's, I would be interested in meeting with them or having a telephone conversation with them or exchanging emails with them. And they can contact me at Loney, L-O-N-E-Y, dot Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, and that's at gmail.com. And I would be just very willing to, to, to meet with the people, to share with them my, my experiences, and to advise them or help them out in any way possible. You know, the other type of people that I'm interested in is if, if you are part of a Parkinson's support group, and you are interested in organizing a Tai Chi uh, class for your support group, I would be, uh, also be interested in working with you and giving you advice on how to pick out a competent Tai Chi, tai chi teacher. Uh, I'd be willing to share with the teacher and the class as well as what types of exercises that I do and uh, give any advice that I could possibly give to help you uh, be successful in your endeavors. And the, other, and the third thing that I'm going to do that I would be interested in doing is that I usually make it to the States about once a year. I usually travel through Europe. And if anyone is interested in workshops, I'd be willing to conduct workshops for them or for their people. They can just contact me once again at L-O-N-E-Y dot Daniel at gmail.com. And when I'm passing through, I'd be just more than happy to, 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 to give a workshop. So the bottom line is, if, for example, a support group in Griffin, Georgia, is thinking, oh, this is a great idea, but we don't know how to get started. They can contact you, and you'll be able to give them me. some assistance. That's right. They can contact me. I can, I can show them how to go about finding a competent teacher. I can, uh, once they think they've found a teacher, they can have the teacher contact me. I can show the teacher the types of exercises that I do. If the teacher has experience working with people with uh, Parkinson's disease or or uh, other uh, uh, mobility order, uh, disorders, I can, I can give my advice as well. And uh, I think that basically what I would eventually like to do is set up a forum. I would like to see uh, a forum set up for two types of people, a forum set up for, for Tai Chi teachers working with Parkinson's, and another forum set up for the Tai Chi students as well. And I'm willing to go to all the work to set up the forum and to... Uh, to uh, you know, to take care of the form. If people, just, if, if there's enough people that will contact me through the email, then we'll get something started. That sounds absolutely awesome to me, Daniel. And it is a way for people to take action. So having listened to your discussion and the explanation of how Tai Chi can be incredibly beneficial for people with the symptoms of Parkinson's, there's really no reason not to take action. They can email you. <laughs> they may say, I don't know how to get started. But they can email you and say, look, I'm interested, but I don't know really how to get started, and uh, have a conversation with you, and you'll be able to help out. That's correct. You know, if I had to sum up anything, if I had to sum up the whole interview, it would be this. You know, Tai Chi is, is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. You know, it's a, it's a way to increase your self-confidence, and it's a way to, uh, to address your symptoms. You know, but, it, but basically what you have to do is you have to take responsibility for yourself. You know, Tai Chi is not going to heal you. You have to heal yourself. You have to reduce the, the symptoms yourself. And you can use Tai Chi to do that. Maybe Tai Chi isn't for you. 
Maybe there's some sort of other exercise program. Maybe there's various alternative techniques that you want to use. Maybe it's Western medicine. But in the final analysis, it's up to you. And you have to take responsibility for your health, and you have to take responsibility for your future. Daniel, what would you want to say to a person who has just been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease? The best thing you can do, is, well, actually, there's two things you can do. Get involved in a support group. Support groups are extremely important. It's very important that you have feedback from other people, that you have contact with other people, and that you see what they're going through and what kind of experiences they have. They have a lot of advice to share. I always tell people that my heroes in my life, my heroes are other people with Parkinson's. I have met unbelievable, unbelievable people that are just normal people, but how they deal with their, with their Parkinson's, it just, it just blows me away. You know, Michael J. Fox is one of my heroes. Muhammad Ali is one of my heroes. And I just, you know, and, and just people I come, you know, I come in contact with in everyday life through, through normal Parkinson's support groups, they are my heroes. They truly are. And the other thing I would recommend is they get involved in an exercise program, whether it's Tai Chi or dance or whatever turns them on, get involved and do it. Because that's exercise and keeping your body moving is one of the things that keeps you healthy. The Chinese have a saying that uh, you are only as healthy as your legs. In other words, when you lose your legs, you lose your, your mobility. And when you lose your mobility, stagnation starts to sit in. And that's when you become susceptible to all kinds of diseases and conditions, and that is, and that's eventually what's going to, uh, you know, is going to kill you. So, so you're only as healthy as your legs. So keep moving, keep exercising, and keep a positive attitude. I think that's, you know, it's important you be optimistic, and you be positive. Daniel Loney, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for doing this incredible interview today and tell us, telling us all your story. Well, thank you very much, Robert. Like I say, I'm, I'm hooked on your site, and I'll be there watching every interview and uh, or listening to every interview and watching all the new things that you have coming out in the future. Awesome. We look forward to future contacts in the coming years. Okay, great. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. On next week's program, on Thursday, you'll be hearing an interview that I'll have with Dr. Daniel Newman. Dr. Newman has the incredible combination of qualifications that include being a medical doctor, a naturopath doctor, and a doctor of Chinese medicine. It's an incredible interview. And I invite each and every one of you to hear his perspectives on what people with the symptoms of Parkinson's can do for themselves to get incredible relief and feel a great deal better. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day.